We're in uh, part five of our sermon series called Unstuck, and in this series we're looking at Galatians chapter five. In Galatians five, the Apostle Paul provides us with a stark contrast between what it means to live according to the flesh and what it means to live according to the Holy Spirit of God. Because when we're born physically, we're born with the flesh part of us, the self part, the physical part of us. And then when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are reborn, we're born again, we're we're regenerated. And the Holy Spirit of God comes into our life and makes the spiritual part of us come alive. In fact, the Bible says the Holy Spirit at that moment indwells in us resides in us. Our body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, when we're born, we get the physical fleshly part. When we're reborn, we get the spiritual part. And so now the dilemma is is that those two parts reside in us together. And so we've got two lifestyle options. We can either follow the flesh or we can walk in the Spirit. Paul lays it out in uh, Galatians 5. Let's read the verses together. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So the the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. They're in opposition, in conflict with each other. And the, the point Paul's making here is that, that, that this really is either or, not both and. I mean, you've got to make a choice here. You've got to choose to either pursue the flesh or to uh, walk in the Spirit. Uh, otherwise, you're trying to face two different directions. You're trying to go to two different destinations at the same time, and you just can't do that. That's why, that's why so many people's lives are just chaotic, because they're trying to, to do two things. And the, the first lifestyle option that, that Paul presents is the option of just walk, following the flesh, pursuing the flesh, gratifying the desires of the flesh. You're living in your own power, seeking to do your own will. And he says this, he says, the acts, let's read this, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And notice that first expression, the acts of the flesh are obvious. They're obvious. You know, sometimes we like to think we can hide the acts of the flesh. We think we can put on a mask or put up a facade and do them in secret. We think we can fool other people. We think sometimes we can even fool God. But the truth is we're not fooling other people. The acts of the flesh are obvious, and and we're certainly not fooling God. And the truth is we're not even fooling ourselves. Because denial is only effective up to a point. And then, I mean, I know what I'm really like. You know what you're really like. The acts of the flesh are obvious. It's interesting to take some of the expressions that Paul uses and see how he uses them in his other writings. And I've shared with you uh, before in this series the similarities between this section of Galatians and a section in Romans. In Galatians 5, Paul contrasts the flesh and the spirit. Does the same thing in Romans. Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 7, he talks about the struggle with the flesh. Romans chapter 8, he talks about the spirit. 
In fact, I'd encourage you on your outline. If you don't have your message outline out, take it out. Uh, today, not only are we going to fill in the blanks, but we're going to fill in the blank space. So you want to have that out because I got a lot of bonus material today that we're going to give you. So, but, and one of the bonus things is I'm giving you a homework assignment to read Romans 7 and 8 in light of what we've been talking about here in Galatians 5. But also, another bonus, 1 Timothy 5, 24 and 25. Paul talks about the obviousness of our behavior. He says, remember, the sins of some people are obvious, leading them to certain judgment. But there are others whose sins will not be revealed until later. In the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious, and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. Paul says, it's obvious. Don't think you're getting away with it. Some things are obvious now, some things will be obvious later. Even the good things that you do in secret will come to light someday. But don't think you're getting away with it. Uh, One of the key verses that that I learned uh, shortly after I became a believer, 40-some years ago, Numbers 32, 23, says, it says, you may be sure your sin will find you out. You may be sure your sin will will find you out. The message paraphrase says, your sin will track you down. And you, you, just, you just need to remember that. I mean, I, I learned early on as a believer to not let myself be fooled into thinking I can get away with sin. Because I'll see people, I'll even see pastors who, who do sinful things and get caught. And I think, did you think you were going to get away with that? I mean, have you not read this verse? <laughs> did you, you think you could do that in secret and not be found out? No, some things are obvious now, some things are going to be obvious later, but you're not getting away with it. And for Katie and I, uh, that was one of the prayers that we prayed for our kids, is God, when they sin, let them get caught. Let them get caught. We told our kids from the time they were little, your sin will find you out. It's okay to scare a kid when the risk is high and the, and the dangers are real. You know, Don't be sinning. You think you're going to get away with that? No, you're going to get caught. And the sooner you get caught... The sooner you suffer the consequences of your sin, the sooner you learn not to do it. You know, parents who soften the blow of their kid's sin or, or bail them out when they get in trouble, you're just prolonging the season that they're going to spend in sin. You know, let them get caught. Let them feel the sting of it. Let them experience the consequences. Help them know that Jesus Christ died for their sin. It comes at a cost. And the good news is, in this First Timothy passage, is that, that the good things that you do are going to be obvious. Some are obvious now. Some of the things you do in secret. Some of the things you think nobody notices. Guys, all those dirty dishes you've put in the dishwater washer that nobody's ever noticed you doing it, someday that'll become obvious and you'll be rewarded for that. Okay? The good things uh, you're going to be rewarded for. And uh, good or bad, eventually it's all going to come to light. That's why Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, live according to the flesh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. The people who live on the fleshly side of life are going to face the consequences. Living for the flesh robs you of your kingdom inheritance. Just like living in the spirit means you are increasing your inheritance. Bad things are made known And they cost you something. Good things are made known, you get rewarded for them. But it's two different approaches to life. The acts of the flesh are obvious. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, what a contrast. Two totally different lists. Acts of the flesh, acts of the spirit. And there are two lies that we tell ourselves about each of those lists. There's two ways that we can deceive ourselves about these lists. The first, with the acts of the flesh, the first lie that we tell ourselves is, is that we're not on the list. You know, we'll, we'll look at the list and we compare ourselves with other people and we think, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not debauched. I don't have an idol up in my house. I'm not a witch. I've never been in an orgy. I'm not that bad. I'm not on the list. But the point of the list is not degree. It's not about how much or how bad your sin is. The, the point is not about degree. The point is about contamination. Paul's point is, is that we have a tendency to follow the flesh. And because of that tendency, we're in that list somewhere. Even if it's just under the category and the like. But we need to recognize that, that we're on the list. Left to ourselves, that's where we will go. So that's the first lie we believe. We're not on the list. But the second lie we believe is, is just the other side of the same coin. And that is we believe we can't get off the list. We think we're so bad that we're just stuck with our sin forever. It's just the way I am. I can never change. And when we think there's no way off the list, that we become hopeless in our sin. But the whole point of Galatians 5, the whole point of Galatians, the whole point of Romans, the whole point of the New Testament is we can get off the list. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have made it possible for us to get off the list. A friend of mine years ago, a lady, worked as a counselor for a counseling hotline. And they staffed the, the hotline 24 hours a day, took calls from people uh, who were desperate for help. Uh, people going through divorce or in abusive situations or addictions or suicide. They could call in anytime and talk with a counselor. And my lady friend was staffing the phone one night and a man called in. And, it, it, and as soon as she answered the phone, he just started spewing this vile, vulgar language. I mean, it was an obscene phone call. So rather than just hanging up, she started quoting scripture, started quoting Galatians chapter 5 to him. I mean, the guy's spewing filth and she's countering it with God's word. She said the acts of the flesh are obvious and boom, she just went through the list and named them. I mean, she named him he's, while he's describing him. Okay? Then she said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And when she finished quoting the verses, the, the guy was silent, dead silent. In fact, she thought he'd hung up. And then a few seconds later, he goes, how do I get on that second list? How do I get on the second list? And that may be your question today. How do I get on that line? I know I'm on the other list. How do I get on the second list? Because we tell ourselves a couple of lies about the second list as well. First, we tell ourselves the lie that we can't get on the list. I can never be like that because I'm, I'm just too bad a person. We know our flesh. We know our struggle too well. And we think we're stuck with the flesh. But God's not telling us that. That's a lie of our own flesh. God is telling us we can get off the bad list and on to the good list. And we read the passage. The whole point of the passage is not that we're bad. The whole point of the passage is we can be good. We can bear the fruit of the Spirit. 
The second lie that we tell ourselves is, is that the way I live on the second list is through my own strength. I just need to be a better person. I just need to be more loving, more happy, more peaceful, more patient, more kind, more good, more faithful, more gentle, more self-controlled. I just need to try harder to be better. But what Paul was really saying here is not that we need to be a better person. Paul is saying we need to be a deader person. D-E-A-D. Dead. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Paul says Christ died for our sins. We need to die to our sins. We, We need to die to the flesh and live Live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We've put to death the flesh, and we live by the Spirit. We keep in step with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. When that guy asked my friend, how do I get on that second list? She told him what I'm going to tell you right now. Because we all... The answer is the same for all of us. Same thing. First of all, you've got to admit your tendency to follow the flesh. Admit that you're on the list. Admit that those things on the list are sin. We don't defend these actions. Ah, oh, it's not that bad. I don't do it that often. We, we don't rationalize these actions. It's just the way God made me. It's God's fault that I'm this way. It's the way he made me. It's genetic. It's the way I was raised. We don't excuse these actions. Oh, everybody does it. No, we admit that these actions are sin. We agree with God that these things are wrong. We confess our sin. We admit. Second, we have to believe. Believe that Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. We couldn't pay for our sins ourselves. Cost is too high. We can't pay for for our sins. We're the ones racking up the debt. We, We don't have the ability to pay for our sins. We don't have any resources. We don't have any righteousness. We're the ones that have incurred the debt. We can't pay for it. Galatians 1.4, Paul says, The Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us, from the present evil age. It's our faith in Christ that saves us from our sin. We've got to believe in Jesus Christ. Believe what he did on the cross. Now salvation is not the goal of the Christian life. Salvation is the start. That's when the battle begins. When when you believe in Jesus Christ, that's when your spirit comes alive and that's when you even have the ability to engage in the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. But that's not the goal that God has for you. That's the start. Salvation's the start. Sanctification is the goal of the Christian life. And sanctification is just a fancy theological term from moving from the acts of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit. Sanctification is is moving from one list to the other. Sanctification gets us unstuck from the sins of the flesh and it releases God's power in our life. Salvation is when you're trusting in Christ's work on the cross for salvation. You're trusting in Christ's work. Sanctification is where you're cooperating with the Spirit's work in your life. When you're trusting in Christ, here you're cooperating with the Spirit. And that leads to the third thing you've got to do. You must choose. 
You've got to choose to follow Christ, to be a disciple. Choose to walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And we choose that not to be saved from the punishment of our sin. That's what we're trusting in Christ for. But we walk in the Spirit to get unstuck from the power of our sin. You know, salvation has different aspects. We're saved from the penalty, the punishment of sin by our faith in Christ. We're saved from the power of our sin by walking in the Spirit. And one day we'll be saved even from the presence of sin when we go to be with the Father. So Christ saves us from the penalty, the Spirit releases us from the power of sin, and one day God removes us from the presence of sin when we go to a perfect heaven. Now the guy who made the filthy phone call made the decision to turn his life over to Jesus Christ. I mean, the the gal talked to him, he actually came to the counseling center, met with two of the male counselors, gave his life to Christ. And he now had the opportunity to live a whole new kind of life. He had had the power to, to get unstuck from the obvious acts of the flesh. He had the power to begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. He had the opportunity to move from one list to the other. And you can too. You can too. You just admit you're on the bad list. You believe that Christ paid the penalty for your sin. And then you choose to walk in the Spirit. And today I want to illustrate for you how how you can learn to walk in step with the Spirit as we look at the fruit of the Spirit that's known as kindness. Kindness. Why does God expect us to be kind? First, undeserved kindness imitates God's character. And I want you to notice that it's undeserved kindness. Okay, It's undeserved kindness that imitates God's character. Jesus said, love your enemies. Your enemies, do good to them, lend to them, and don't be concerned about the fact that they won't repay. Anybody else wish that verse wasn't in the Bible? I mean, it's in, it's in red, red ink. I wish it was in invisible ink, because I don't like that one. Love your enemies. And the term love there is the term agape that we studied in the first week of this series. It's undeserved love, undeserved kindness. It's the fruit of the Spirit kind of love. It's not some teeny weeny hesitant human kind of love. It's a big, bold, audacious, God sized love. Love your enemies. That's the standard of kindness that God has set for us. Why? Why does he want us to imitate his loving kindness? Then your reward from heaven will be very great. The issue of the fruit of the Spirit is a reward in heaven. Then you will truly be acting as sons of God. It's about inheritance. It's about inheritance. Because the son gets the inheritance. You know, there's a tendency in, in our day, especially modern translations, to, you know, to not want to translate it son because we don't want the ladies to feel left out. And so we want to translate it sons and daughters or we want to translate it as the children of God or you know, we want to be hip to the kids of God. You know, we just you know, want to be inclusive. But really, it, it uses the term son there for a very important reason because in Roman culture, in, in the Roman judicial system, it was the son who got the inheritance. The son had the authority to receive the inheritance. So it's not just a gender thing here. It's it's making a significant point. that that When you do these things, when you act as the sons of God, when you imitate God's character, you inherit 
what God has for you. For God is kind to the unthankful and to those who are very wicked. You're imitating God. Loving kindness means action. It means to take the initiative to meet specific needs. You, for, even for people who have hurt you. Do good to them. Lend to them. Don't expect repayment. I mean, it's not just an emotion. It's got to move into action. And that's easy to do with people who, who are kind to us. It's easy to do with people who love us. But loving kindness means that you do this even for the people who hurt you. That's the imitating God part. Because that's what God does for us. God was kind to us when we were far from Him. God was kind to us when the Bible says we were enemies of God. God was kind to us when we killed His Son. If you're going to walk in the Spirit, you've got to imitate God's kindness. Undeserved kindness. Next point. Genuine kindness is our response to God's love. If someone mistreats you because you are a Christian, don't curse him. Pray that God will bless him. And, and it's, it's genuine kindness. Too often we, we've learned to kind of pretend to love other people. We know how to speak kindly to everybody. We know we should avoid hurting their feelings. We, we appear to take an interest in them. Maybe we even feel some compassion when they express their needs or we, we feel some uh, we're a bit indignant when we learn about injustice. But, but God calls us to real, sincere, genuine kindness that goes beyond an emotion, goes beyond a pretense, and moves into action. Puts forth the effort. Loving kindness demands our time, our money, our personal involvement, even when there's no way they're, they're going to repay it back. Now, and notice I didn't say even though there's no way they can pay it back. No, we do it even when there's no way they're going to pay it back. Kind words, kind feelings must flow into kind deeds. Because kindness is characteristic of God's people. If we're going to be God's sons, God's children, God's people, if we're inheritors of the inheritance, then kindness has got to be one of our characteristics. Colossians 3 uh, I'm going to give you a chunk of this. There's some blank space on your outline. You're going to want to fill some of this in because I'm going to encourage you to talk about this in your small groups this week. But Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, God's chosen people, God loves us dearly, says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Circle the phrase, clothe yourselves. As Paul's trying to explain this process of breaking free from the acts of the flesh and bearing the fruit of the Spirit, he uses different kinds of images to describe this. In Galatians, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and the idea that we bear the fruit of the Spirit. And it's the Spirit that causes us to bear that fruit. That's a word picture that he's using, the idea of bearing fruit. He uses the concept of walking in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. Well, how do you walk in the Spirit? Well, you do it one step at a time. It's a continual process of living, step by step, day by day, decision by decision, moment by moment. I'm just, is this what the Spirit would do? Is this what the Spirit would do? Is this what the Spirit would do? I'm walking in step with the Spirit. Helps us understand the concept. 
In Colossians and in Ephesians, uh, Paul uses the imagery of putting off the old self and putting on the new self. And he even, even pursues the image, pushes it to the point where he, he uses terminology like it's a, a different set of clothes. Like we take off the old clothes and put on uh, the new clothes. That's why today I'm wearing all new clothes. It's like the first day of school. Just giddy. Got my name written in the back of my shirt and I'm good to go. So Colossians three twelve through 17. Paul offers a strategy here. For, for how to walk in the Spirit, how to bear the fruit of the Spirit, how to clothe yourself with these things. So in that blank space on your, on your sermon notes, I want you just to write down one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm going to just quickly give you six points that you can talk about later this week in your groups. Number one, I need to imitate Christ's compassion and forgiving attitude. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Somebody hurts you, you forgive them. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You imitate Christ's compassion and forgiveness if you want to clothe yourself in the Spirit. Number two, let love guide your life. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know, love is really the, the driving force behind all the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about that in the first week, that you look at the characteristics of love, and it's really all the other fruit of the Spirit. So you let love guide your life. And then number three, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. You know, when you're in conflict with one another, uh, you're really in conflict with yourself. Because if we're all, all part of one body, then it doesn't make sense for us to, to be in conflict with one another. No, we, we need to be at peace. It says, always be thankful. Be thankful. That's really all I got on that, but we'll, Thanksgiving's coming up. We'll talk about thankfulness more then. Number five, keep God's word in you at all times. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You keep God's word. You keep God's worship in you at all times. If you want to clothe yourself, if you want to walk in the Spirit, if you want to bear the fruit of the Spirit, that, that, that's how you do it. Number six, live as Jesus Christ's representative. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because we're Christ's ambassadors. We're Christ's representatives. We're his children. We're his people. And so we represent him, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So get all six of those down. If not, on the small group DVD, I, I mentioned them. You can, you can get it there. But, but you want to choose to clothe yourself in these thoughts, attitudes, and actions. And, and then watch as God releases his power in your life. That's how you walk in the Spirit. And we do all of this because kindness is God's will. Kindness is God's will. You want to know God's will for your life? Clothe yourself in kindness. So in everything, do to others which you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. 
You know, the acts of the flesh, hatred, jealousy, discord, fits of rage, selfish ambition, envy, and the like. Nobody wants those things done to them. Nobody wants that stuff done to you. Why do it to other people? You know, do to other people what you want done to you. Put off the acts of the flesh. Put on the spirit of kindness. Now, I want to encourage you. There's been kind of this, this fad of, in recent years about random acts of kindness. You know, you just kind of pick somebody and do something kind for them. And, and I think that's cool. I think you ought to do that. But I, I want to push you to a, a higher standard on that. Th- this week, I want to encourage you to think of what is a specific area in your life where you can imitate God's kindness with someone who's been unkind to you. Where can you show undeserved, genuine kindness to someone who's hurt you? Maybe an enemy. Maybe somebody who's wounded you. I mean, it's easy to be kind to nice people. But God calls us to a higher standard. And he promises that when we move toward it, that he'll give us the power to do it and he'll reward reward us for it. But you can't expect him to pay you back. It's not why you're doing it. Let's pray together. You may be here today, and, and, and this may be the moment when you realize, <laughs> man, I need to be on a different list. And I just want to reassure you that you can be. That God has made a way for us to move off of the acts of the flesh and to put on the fruit of the Spirit. And that today, you just need to admit it. Just confess. Confess your sin. Agree with God. Stop rationalizing. Stop making excuses. Stop minimizing. Just say, God, I admit it. I'm a mess. I need to be rescued from myself. And then believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that Christ came to rescue you because he did. Believe that Christ paid the penalty for your sin on the cross because he did. Believe that that Jesus Christ can give you a new life, a new, abundant, eternal life, that he can give you the, the Spirit of God to live inside of you, to lead and guide and to help you. Believe it because he can, he will, he's promised. And maybe you're here, you've been a believer for years, or maybe you became a believer right now. But either way, you need to choose. You need to choose to walk in the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. To day by day, moment by moment, put off the old, put on the new. God, help us to imitate you. Help us to be like you. Release your power in our life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.